You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Catholic Saints. My name is Taylor Kemp. I am the director of Formed, and with me today is Dr. Carl Venestrom. Welcome, Dr. Thank Venestrom. You. Glad to be here. It is good to have you. Today we are talking about St. Ephraim the Syrian. I know very little about St. Ephraim, so this will be wonderful. That's good. Yeah. So uh, where should we begin with St. Ephraim the Syrian? Yeah, so uh, St. Ephraim the Syrian belongs to the 4th century. Okay. So um, this is the same century where we get St. Athanasius, uh, the Cappadocian, St. Uh, Gregory of Nazianzus, um, Gregory of Nyssa, Basil the Great, uh, as well as Augustine, um, Ambrose. These are these are great saints that are familiar to, to many of us, I mm-hmm. think. Um, but differently from them, Saint Ephraim didn't write in Greek or Latin. Okay. So he wrote in Syriac, mm-hmm. which is hinted the by Syrian. his name, Saint the Ephraim Syrian. the Syrian. Yeah, uh-huh. that's right. So. Uh, he was born east of all those other figures. So uh, born in Nisibis, a town called Nisibis, which uh, if you looked at a modern day map would be mm-hmm. uh, like southeast Turkey or very north, uh, the, the very northern part of Syria. Okay. Uh, and he ended up in Edessa, uh, another town about 100 miles west. Um, so... Yeah, he's perhaps the most important saint and theological writer for the Syriac-speaking churches. Okay, is that a big span of space? Is this is it small? How big is the Syriac span of churches? Yeah, so the it, it's it's very interesting. I think we think of a lot of the important missionary efforts of the church, let's say from uh, Italy up to. Uh, to England, uh, with with uh, or uh, to the various places in Europe or, nor- mm-hmm. or nor- North Africa, but um, the Eastern Christians actually went really far east. So okay. uh, the apostle who's who is supposed to have gone east was uh, Saint Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's supposed to have made it all the way to India. Mm-hmm. So that's where we get, uh, we still have the Syro Malabar Church, Syro mm-hmm. uh, Malankar Church, that's another Indian church. And they still have Syriac in their liturgies. But even further than that, uh, from the ninth century, there's a, it's called uh, a steel. It's this uh, like uh, limestone block that's mm-hmm. like nine feet tall, and it's, uh, mostly written in Chinese characters. It's an account of Christianity in China. Whoa, that's but cool. then it also has like these glosses in Syriac. Mm-hmm. So it's this really cool thing. I mean, like it's nine feet tall. It's giant, this yeah. kind of monumental thing, but with, with Chinese and hmm. Syriac. That's so cool. yeah, they went pretty deep into China. Eventually, uh, persecution and other factors led to uh, uh, the kind of diminishment receiving. of yeah. Christianity in China, but cool. Yeah. Okay. So Saint Ephraim is a major figure for the Syriac churches. That's right. Yeah, and he's especially important for his hymns. So okay. Saint Ephraim didn't. Well, he wrote a few prose treatises that survive, uh, commentaries, and, and this kind of thing. But the uh, the bulk of his 
literary output is in hymns. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So and he, he wrote them in these in, in different cycles. So on the Nativity or some on faith, which mm. deal with Arianism and mm-hmm. and Nicene Christianity, or on the crucifixion, uh, or even contemporary events that were that were happening. Mm. Um, so he wrote some hymns against Julian, the apostate em- emperor. Okay. Um, and <laughs> it's such an odd thing to say, like, I'm going to write against the emperor. Yeah. How am I going to do it? Not with a treatise. Yeah. In song. With a hymn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in song. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't seem like to pack the most punch perhaps, but hey. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> and actually he's so popular. You know, you know, you're popular if, uh, people write stuff and put it under your name. Uh-huh. So there are. Many, many hymns uh, in Greek, in Armenian, in these other languages, uh, also in Syriac or in Arabic that are like written under the name of St. Ephraim, but weren't originally written by him. And so actually the, the Greek tradition of hymnography in a certain sense goes back to Ephraim Grychus, um, who were just like Greek authors imitating other translations they'd read of Ephraim, or maybe mm-hmm. they read Syriac themselves, and they were mm-hmm. bringing that Syriac uh, hymnographic tradition in, into Greek. So, yeah, and, and the hymns themselves were in, uh, were performed by female choirs in in, in the liturgy. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's very fascinating. Well, it is, especially because he, he's, I mean, he's pretty old, fourth century, Yeah. to have the kind of majority of his corpus that we remember today in song. Mm. And not, yeah. Like, normally you just have... Yeah, it's like 400 hymns, it, and, and some of them are very long. Is he uh, teaching through them a lot of the time? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so uh, it's interesting. I, I kind of bristle sometimes when people uh, only want to talk about Ephraim as like a poet or something uh-huh. like that. But he is truly a theologian and he writes in a poetic way mm-hmm. um but it's not something like you're it's not the kind of theology you would find in uh aquinas or augustine mm-hmm. or something it's not that systematic but um but he does treat uh yeah he does teach theology and even does polemical theology against the different heretics of his day just in, in song in song yeah. yeah and so a lot of the way he teaches and what, kind of what he's most prized for is this use of of paradox and metaphor. Hmm. Um, he, he, he really treasured as a Nicene Christian who opposed Arians uh, and uh, different sort of offshoots of, 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 of the Arians. He really prized the idea that God's essence couldn't be contained in definitions. So mm-hmm. uh, like, obviously we can confess the Trinity, but um, to say what God is as such uh, can't be defined in like a single sentence. Mm-hmm. So um, he he would often talk about it by uh, predicating these opposites of God. Like mm-hmm. the, Al- the Almighty one, one became weak, the nourisher of all became hungry, uh, all, all these different kind of things that if, if you sort of look at as a whole, mm-hmm. sort of triangulate into like this picture of God. Yep. But but he had a real reverence for the for, for, for the mystery of God, which yeah. which comes through in his that's in cool his poetry. Yeah. All right. So what else do we need to know about him? Um, well, I can I can read you a little bit. This is uh, Please, so you have to sing it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, alas, no. <laughs> we you will not get... do that to the audience. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Doctor McGrew down here or something. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is a uh, hymns on paradise. Okay. So uh, this is this very beautiful hymn. 
him, him are, are you a fan of poetry? I like poetry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't read as much as I should, um, but I do like poetry. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like poetry? I'm not. I, I don't. Well, I don't know. I, in a sense, I would say I don't know if I do or don't like it because I haven't really tried to read much okay. poetry. So yeah. I just don't know. Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of a rube with poetry, but uh, yeah, but, but I, at least you've tried. I, I, like I have it. not, yeah. so no, yeah. it was just I wasn't part of my upbringing nor education, and uh, I I don't even, I don't feel like I would even know how to try to read poetry. So perhaps another time. Yeah, yeah, that that's a, maybe that's, with that's, that's another episode. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, so here's uh, he's he's beginning this hymn cycle mm-hmm. on paradise, and so. He talks about it as a mountain, but of course he's he's going to talk about all the events of the first few chapters of Genesis and and, and all of this. Um, but part of it is to praise paradise as this creation of God and mm-hmm. uh, this thing we hope to return to, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and at the beginning in the first hymn, he gives a kind of a kind of methodology for mm-hmm. how he's going to operate as a poet and as a theologian. Um, and this, this is one of my favorite, one of my favorite quotes from St. Ephraim. Um, so he says, I took my stand halfway between awe and love. A yearning for paradise invited me to explore it. But awe at its majesty restrained me from my search. With wisdom, however, I reconciled the two. I revealed, I, I, I revered, sorry, what lay hidden and meditated on what was revealed. The aim of my search was to gain profit. The aim of my silence was to find succor, to find help. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is really, really beautiful, the way he like works with mm-hmm. awe and love uh, together. So it's, it's, it's not just kind of like what I was saying before. It's not just that God is totally a mystery to us. We can't know anything about it. him. He just sort of like maybe drips and drabs mm-hmm. like a, a, a few elements that, that that lets us know kind of what he might be maybe. Um, uh, and at the same time, he's not fully comprehensible because we're created, we're finite. Mm-hmm. So if we could comprehend him, he wouldn't be God, right? Yeah, he's not. Um, thank you. So there's awe on the one hand that this is so infinitely beyond us. Uh, but then there's also this desire which God's put in our hearts, mm-hmm. and so wisdom is the way you is the way you reconcile them. That mm-hmm. What God does give to us, we meditate, we give ourselves to fully, mm-hmm. our intellect and our hearts. Um, but what's hidden, we keep silent about, and we mm-hmm. have a kind of fear that mm-hmm. if you do try to define it, like there's a yeah. punishment. That's coming to yeah, you. Yeah, or just, know? yeah, confusion or. Yeah, confusion. Yeah. yeah. Like the act of disobedience is going to be the punishment itself mm-hmm. uh, because you're going to be in, in error and in falsehood. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Anyways, yeah, that, 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 that's one of my favorite uh, little little quotations from, 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 from St. Ephraim. But yeah. Very good. Yeah. What else do we need to know about him? <laughs> yeah. So he's uh, he was declared a doctor of the church in 1920. I didn't know he was a doctor. Of the yeah. Church. So he's okay. 1920. Yeah. Recent, yeah. Huh? Yeah. I think uh, I'm not exactly sure the whole story of him being declared a doctor of the church. Um, it's interesting. A lot of the Eastern rites of the Catholic Church uh, have at least a somewhat more modern story. Um, so. Uh, there, there, there may have been uh, 
a, a mixture of true appreciation of Ephraim from the Pope at that time and also mm-hmm. uh, kind of desire to um, be on good terms with these Eastern churches. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so, but anyways, he's he truly deserves to be a, a doctor of the church, I mm-hmm. think. Um, uh, what, what would you say are some of his kind of abiding lessons uh, mm-hmm. or, or what, you know, what makes him a doctor of the church? Because we can learn lessons from all the saints, but to be, clar- mm. be declared a doctor of the church, there's something abiding that is for every generation of the church, in a sense. Would you feel comfortable kind of yeah. saying or trying to outline, yeah, like this is really what he gave the church, that we can continue to draw spiritual nourishment from today? Yeah, I think, um, especially in the West, it's helpful to read St. Ephraim because... Um, he's the experience of reading him is much different from reading uh, Athanasius <laughs> yeah, the Western or Augustine. Fathers, yeah, yeah um, because he's not opposed to uh, he's not opposed to, to philosophical philosophical reasoning, um, and you can find its marks in his writing, but it's not what's front loaded. Mm-hmm. So it's helpful to read him because. Uh, You'll find if if you meditate on one of his hymns, he's working with all of these Old Testament and New Testament categories mm. and images. Um, and more than any other author that I've read, I, I think he most organically weaves together mm. imagery from, from Scripture. Um, so especially for someone who has a familiarity with Scripture, things come just alive, like, yeah. I'm sure. Yep. And it's like you don't want to move on to the next sentence yep. because because there's so much there. There's so I, I think that's that's one thing uh, to see that like the sort of difference, mm-hmm. but then the compatibility of Ephraim with an Athanasius right. or with an Augustine, which is kind of different. Yeah, ways of of expressing it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's worthwhile to have him as a doctor of the church, both because like his teachings are so important, and mm-hmm. his his mode of teaching is so important, and because if you don't have him, you're missing out this like giant part of the church. And if you like, you think about uh, the churches for whom he is important uh, were decimated by mm-hmm. uh, th- their populations were decimated or you know, greatly reduced because of their life under Islamic rule. So at one point in time, uh, people who had been very familiar with Ephraim constituted like half of the world's Christians. Whoa. Um, And now they're much more reduced. Yeah, okay. um, He and the people who imitated him, like Jacob of Sarug, uh, uh, there there are a a few important him, him. a few important hymnographers uh, from the Syriac tradition. These these people were, you know, sort of like giants to mm-hmm. half the world's Christians, hmm. and so there's this like there's this very important tradition of of, of theology that uh, flourished for a long time. Yeah, e- even even under even under Islamic rule as well. But uh, it's important not to let that just be right. be, be forgotten. I should ask, was he a priest? He was a deacon. He was a deacon. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he was also an ascetic of a kind. This is okay. this is an important sort of background information I should have said earlier. But um, in the Syriac East at this point in time, the sort of Egyptian and Greek and Latin form of monasticism hadn't uh, taken hold, and instead mm-hmm. they had uh, 
a kind of urban monasticism. Okay. These uh, people who lived an ascetic life in the city, they were called uh, the Benai Kiyomo, so like uh, the sons of the covenant or the people of the covenant. Okay. And th these were people who lived lives uh, that included a lot of fasting and also also celibacy. Uh, some lived uh, within like celibate marriages where mm -hmm. they were married and then they would join this ascetic community and then become become celibate. Um, so it, it wasn't like living in a cell in a desert, right. uh, but uh, it involved a little more sort of like variation and yeah. adaption. Urban hermit is, yeah. is a nice, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but so he would like compose hymns and direct choirs and he had an important part in the in the liturgy but um and uh yeah so uh there are there are variety there are five eastern catholic rites uh which include syriac in their liturgy and derive from those uh churches so we have chaldean christians uh who are in iraq they just moved actually their patriarchate it was in detroit for a long for, hmm. for a while uh but it's back in iraq uh you have syriac catholics you have Syro Malabar, Syro Malankar, both mm -hmm. Indian, and you have Maronites uh, mm -hmm. who are in Lebanon. Um, nice. Yeah, so these these people uh, all still love Saint Ephraim very much as 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 we should. Do you know is Saint Ephraim the patron saint of musicians? Uh, we got to look it up because he I should don't. be. I was yeah. just thinking this. I was like, this guy has to be the. Patron I think saint there are of a musicians. few. I think like Hildegard is maybe one too. Okay. With musicians, but yeah, he 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 definitely should be. Yeah, I didn't, I I don't remember now. We'll have to look it he's up. Somebody look it up something. out there. He's yeah. definitely he's got to be <laughs> involved there. But yeah. well, that was great. There was a couple things that I kind of tried to distill out of of what you were saying. Mm -hmm. One of which in that hymn that you were saying, I thought it was very um, probably chosen by Ephraim that wisdom is what reconciles mm -hmm. the things revealed by God that we meditate on and the things that are left. Uh, to the mystery, mm. and that it's only wisdom that can reconcile those two things. And as Scripture says, wisdom is something that comes from God. So it's like when we're trying to think of these things of God, the best way to come to know them and learn to kind of uh, live comfortably with the mystery mm. and the not being able to define, mm. which in our scientific culture is something that we always want to do. We want to know precisely, but that yeah, it's, that's right. it is only like through a life of prayer and the sacraments and communion with Christ where you both one are granted kind of the light to grasp the things that are revealed and then to also like be okay with Mm -hmm. with the mystery. Yeah. Um, and the East has always been more comfortable with the mystery. Yeah. They, uh, at, at least it has seemed, seemed that way yeah, to no, me. I, but, that's right. And then second, just how much you were saying kind of his biblical formation that is just woven effortlessly into his mm -hmm. hymns. I think so much of St. John Henry Newman. Mm -hmm. You can't read a sermon of Newman's without hitting like 15 scripture yeah. passages, and you're just amazed. You're like, how effortlessly... You can tell their whole mind is shaped by scripture, right? And what an amazing goal that is. Yeah, and for and, us. And, and occasionally you think like, oh, he's just sort of embellishing, and then you like yeah. look, look up the passage and like, oh no, like Got it's it. all deeply relevant. Yeah, ah. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like it just forms the very fabric yeah. of their thinking, and that is just the, you can't find a saint that isn't yeah shaped by scripture. So uh, it is it is a very inspiring. Mm -hmm. 
thing. So, uh, any any parting comments on on Saint Ephraim? No, I think that was nothing. I think that was, think that was beautifully said. So. Wonderful. Well, I'm glad. So the hymns on well, he has a tons of hymns. Hymns on Paradise. This is a this is a good little volume. This now. is the one. And it's pretty I, inexpensive. You all can't see this, but I did. But Doctor Venestrom has this thing marked up, so clearly he has <laughs> he has drawn profit from it. But check that out, Saint Ephraim the Syrian. So. Thank you, Dr. Venestrom, for joining yeah, us and, you, and, and teaching us about St. Ephraim. So it was wonderful. Uh, thank you all for joining us. We will see you next time on Catholic Saints. You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustine Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, ebooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustine Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.